When one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's a good thing. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bad many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and say it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them, urge them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the word of the living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through his word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We continue in Luke chapter 14, verse 15 on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Now here Jesus is still at the dinner hosted by the Pharisee. And so he speaks a parable concerning a man who invited guests to his big dinner. Well, however, they all found excuses for not attending this dinner. So Jesus speaks of the servants going out into the farthest reaches of the country to gather guests to come to this man's prepared dinner. Now Jesus is here speaking of God's invitation to all, everywhere, to come to his heavenly feast the salvation he prepared in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are invited by the Holy Spirit to trust in Christ, who is life for us who personally know Jesus Christ. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Luke chapter 14, verse 15, and he shows us the three excuses why those invited did not come to the feast. Again, we come to you with our studies in the gospel through Luke, and we're in chapter 14. And I just trust that the Lord may make the studies very precious to you. Now, in the 14th chapter, and we're dealing here with our Savior at a feast. <clears throat> our Lord had been invited uh, to a Pharisee's house on the Sabbath day. 
Uh, they'd been down to the synagogue. They'd gone through their various uh, services of Judaism, and they, uh, he invited the Lord over to his house to break bread with him. And, of course, there were other friends there, too, who had been invited. And they'd also there'd been a man invited who had had the dropsy. And they really arranged this so they could try and find some fault with the Savior. So the Lord asked them just one question. Is it, is it right, uh, lawful, to heal on the Sabbath day? Of course, they couldn't answer that without having to say, yes, it is lawful. And so he heals the man and then turns around and gives a lesson to those who are sitting at the feast, a lesson on real humility. And then he follows that through with a, a word to the ruler of the feast, more or less on the same thing. Humility is a sign of greatness in the kingdom of God. And when we call friends, when we call friends, and I speak especially verses 7 to 14, the character of, of true hospitality is to invite people for your fellowship and for the feast or the meal, whatever it is, with no thought of reciprocation, no thought of them inviting you. You call them to your home because you want them there, and you're very, very happy to be with them and they to be with you, with no thought, with no thought of them inviting you, no thought of recompense. Now, having talked to the, to the ones at the feast on the greatness of humility, and then on the character of true hospitality to the man who had the feast, now he turns around in verses 15 to 24, and we have the illustration of God's feast. God has a great invitation, inviting people to a feast. I'm going to read the whole thing through so you'll have it in your mind. Verse 15, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Well, that's a good thing. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bad many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and say it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them, urge them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Let me just stop right here. Now here is the great invitation, and our Lord is using this not only as a rebuke, and shall I say, a picture of what these Pharisees were doing with God, but also to show to you and to me that God has a feast ready and is inviting everybody to come. 
And let's look at this just for a few moments. A certain man, uh, or one man said at the feast, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. I remember this still at the Pharisee's house. And uh, this is on a Sabbath afternoon. And he told this story. A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. Then he said to his servants, You go and tell those folks who are bidding, Come on. Uh, all things are now ready. Dinner's on the table. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. Now listen. You have three excuses here why they didn't come. There were no reasons why they shouldn't come. These are not reasons. These are excuses. See, I want this thing very, very clear in your mind. And they were all agreed on one thing. They were agreed not to go. Now listen to it. One said, please excuse me. I've just bought a piece of ground. You know, I'm in the real estate business, and I've bought me a piece of ground, and I must go and say it. I pray thee have me excused. The other fellow says, you know, I, I, I run a farm, and I need, I need five. I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go out to see what kind of oxen they are. Please have me excused. And the other said, and this is the worst one of the three, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, may I, may I just say here, remember, they've all been invited to come, and they all have their excuses. You know, like the Lord could say in John chapter 5, you do search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you have, might have life. Same thing in the preceding chapter of Luke here, chapter 13. O Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered your children together, but you would not. It's not that they couldn't come. They wouldn't come. As I say here, they had excuses. There was no excuse that can justify them rejecting the invitation. I'm going to press that to you in a few moments. God invites you, my friend, to a heavenly feast. You remember in Isaiah 1.18, I read, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like snow. Now I say 55, 1. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye. Ye come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And when you come to the last chapter in your Bible, Revelation 22, 17, I read, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him as a thirst say, Come. And whosoever will, let him come and partake of the water of life freely. God is inviting men and women to a heavenly feast. Every time you hear the gospel message, every time you hear about the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior of sinners, it is God inviting you to a heavenly feast. He wants you to come. Now I tell you, my friend, when God invites us, please let us not have any excuses. See, why, why is it that so few people, comparatively speaking, so few people... Accept the invitation of the Lord. Well, maybe we have a picture right here. The first man said, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. 
Now, here's a man dealing with his possessions. And what a fool he was to buy ground without seeing it. You know, once in my life, I was staying with a man who had some a number of quarter sections of, of ground in Manitoba. And one day he sold me a quarter section. I thought, well, I'll get my brother up. Uh, my brother at that time was in California. I'll bring him up and we'll farm this quarter section. So I made a deal and I had a little savings and I put in the land. We signed a contract. And about a week after, one of his, one of his associates said to me, did you buy that piece of property from, from so-and-so? And I said, I sure did. He said, you didn't say it? I said, no, I took Bob's word for it. Listen, he said, I might tell you, Mitchell, just you kiss your, your money goodbye. It's not worth the paper it's written on. Nothing else but hills and stones. Can't be farmed. and There's nothing enough on it to even keep sheep or a cow or anything. It's no good. So I went back to Bob and I said, listen, Bob, you told me this ground was so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Yes, I find it isn't. Well, I said, what are you going to do about it? Want your money back? I said, no, I don't want my money back. It's just a good lesson. It's an expensive lesson. I was a fool to buy a piece of property without seeing it. But my friend, God is offering you eternal life and eternal inheritance. As Peter could say in 1 Peter 1, uh, one four, we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, and it's reserved in heaven for us who are kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation yet to be revealed at the last time. And we turn our backs on God's gracious invitation. Why? Because we're occupied with real estate, with property, with possessions. How many, how many men today have turned their back on God's wonderful offer of redemption because of possessions, possessions. They become with a lust for possessions. And the more they get, the more they want. And you remember, and I remind you, it says in Matthew 16, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul. So the first man is hindered by possessions. And the second fellow, another fool, he said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Please excuse me for not going to the feast. Now this man is hindered by business. What a fool a man is to buy five yoke of oxen and not even seeing them, not even proving them. Who knows, they may have had spasms or crooked legs or they might be weak. Uh, just the taking of somebody else's word for it and the result is he's bought five yoke of oxen and he uses this as an excuse not to accept the Savior. May I say, my friend, I say this very solemnly, all the thousands of men, and may I add women, they're so obsessed with business they have no thought of eternity, no thought of the divine provision for their eternal welfare. They're, they're deaf to God's invitation. When our Lord says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Ears are close to it. The spirit and the bride say, come, and he that is a thirst, come. Drink of the water of life freely. No, we're occupied with our business. 
And I tell you today, and I say it very, very frankly, all the number of homes and lives that have been ruined by some, the head of the family or someone in the family being obsessed with business. Morning, noon, and night, they just eat up. Some people even go to church, and while they sit in church, they're working out schemes for their business. A passing transient thing. And they say to God, excuse me, I haven't time, I haven't time to read the Bible. I haven't time to listen about the Savior. I haven't time to understand the great plan of redemption of men and women. I just, I, I've just got this deal to go through with. And so we find homes ruined, lives ruined, and shall I say sadly, eternally ruined because they have no reason not to accept the Savior. Just excuses. Now the third one, I, I believe, is worse than the other two. He said, uh, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. He doesn't offer any excuses. He just says, I've got a wife. Why in the world didn't he take his wife with him? Can I say there are thousands of people who have no place for the Savior because of family relationships or affections? I, I, I could sit here and talk to you, my friend, very, very definitely. When I think of young people who've turned their back on the Savior because of affections for somebody else. How many a young man who had a real heart, apparently for God, wanted to go on with God, some girl came into the picture, or vice versa, a girl and a fellow came into the picture. They forgot the Lord, they forgot his promises, they forgot his way of salvation, they forgot everything else. Everything else was pushed to one side because of fleshly attractions or fleshly affections. What I'm just trying to say to you, what is your excuse for not accepting the Savior? The Word of God gives to us salvation on one ground only, on the ground of grace through faith. As Paul could write in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now let's go on. So the servant came back to the master and said, the ones you've invited won't come. They've, they've got these excuses. And the master of the house being angry said to his servant, you go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And notice, what he says, you go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in who? The poor, the maimed, the hall, the blind, the hopeless folks, the helpless people. Now the ones whom he had invited, the man who was occupied with his real estate, the man who was occupied with his oxen, with his business, the man who was occupied with his wife had no ears for the invitation. So what took place? going to the highways and bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them, urge them to come in, that my house 
may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. You know, all the way down through these last, last chapters you'll find, on both sides of our Savior, on one side you've got the Pharisees and scribes. You've got the religious leaders on one side. On the other side you've got the publicans and the sinners. And I take it that possibly because he's talking in a Pharisee's house when he gives this lesson, this illustration, that the fellow who was occupied with his real estate, with his business, with his family, uh, picture for us the religious leaders of the day were perfectly satisfied they didn't need the things of God. So he says, you go out and pick up the, the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind, and here I think you have a picture of the publicans and the sinners. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet, and yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them, urge them to come in. I want my house filled with guests. And yet these fellows who are, had a special invitation, they're not going to eat of my supper. They'll not even taste of it. I tell you, my friend, what a picture. Today, so many people are hindered from coming to the Savior because of material gain, because of fleshly desires, uh, because of business and so on. And they haven't time for the Lord. So the Lord is saying to the servant, and I think possibly one could, if I might be uh, able to say this, or should I say it, that I think here you have a the servant pictures for us the Spirit of God who is in the world of day, bringing in what? The poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. Uh, go on to the highways and the hedges, go out throughout the world, just not to Israel anymore, but out to the Gentile world, to every part of the world, and invite people in, compel them, urge them to come in, that my feast might be furnished with guests. I want you to mark the urgency of the call. Urge them to come in. The time is short. Go out quickly. Hurry up. Time is running out. The meal is on the table. And bring them in. I don't care who it is. Anybody. Bring them in. Oh, I'm glad for this. The invitation today is to anybody. Anybody. Whosoever will may come. My friend, uh, can I be urgent in my call to you today? It may be I'm talking to some, and you've heard the message of the gospel all your life, and you've become so occupied with trying to make money or material gain or possessions or whatever it may be, your life is cluttered up with doing things for yourself. And your ear is not open to the call of the Lord. What shall it profit you if you should gain the whole world and lose, his own, and lose your own soul. What can you give in exchange for your soul? And the Lord Jesus died. And I'm willing, as a servant of the Lord, to go on to the highways and byways and urge you to come in. Here is a blessed, wonderful invitation from the eternal God. He wants you to come in and sit at his table, feast upon the riches of his grace. But you must come through Jesus Christ. Do not be like the Jews of our Lord's day when our Lord said, I would, but you would not. 
It isn't that they couldn't come, they wouldn't come. Won't you come? Jesus is saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he means exactly what he says. And you could be saved right where you sit. Just bow your head and accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior, as your Lord. Put your trust in him as the one who died for you and rose again, that you might have life and have it abundantly. And the Lord bless you. Oh, precious is the Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.